when the lease runs out on the Ferrari. That's so MLS. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. How's it going? It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, we are we are the the season has ended and we're in our uh, two week uh, off season style schedule. Um, and in that time, uh, a lot of news has piled up of of, of various sorts. A lot of de- a lot of departures and uh, um, and drafts and trades for both alle- general and targeted allocation money have occurred. Yeah, there's been actually uh, a, like a pretty significant amount of movement, which is great because uh, it gives us something to talk about. I think both of us coming into this off season were a little bit like. Yeah, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, but MLS is not disappointed, and players in, players out, lots to cover. We've got so many. Uh, what What is your um, What is your favorite thing about the off season been so far? Oh gosh, my favorite thing about the off season so far. Or like, 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 what's the, what's the number one thing that, that jumps out to you? Oh, like, well, in terms of storyline, I mean, obviously, um, Henri coming into Montreal to coach is a big one. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that hadn't been announced yet when we last did a show, right? He, I think that happened a couple of days later after, after the final game. Thierry Henri. Mr. Henri. uh, known, known, uh, primarily for his time with the New York Red Bulls. (laughs) He played in, on one or two other uh, teams in his life. Small European sides. <laughs> um, has uh, has been announced as the new Montreal Impact coach. We knew that the Impact, um, it, it had seemed when they let Wilmer Cabrera go on the idea that he had, um, with the idea that he had uh, um, only had a contract it seemed pretty obvious at that point that they had a plant like that that they had something else that they wanted more yeah um yeah. you and you and i talked about Cabrera. that right that uh it, they wouldn't have made that move uh away from cabrera unless they had something lined up which they they seemed to now the thing with with Henri is that like um he he accomplishes a couple things for the impact. He's he speaks French. He um, is obviously is a huge name brand, and, and a lot of people are interested to see what he brings as as a um, as a coach and as a character in the league. Because obviously he was he was very prominent at his time um, yeah. at the Red Bulls from 2010 to 2014. Um, the the one thing is he. He hasn't really been that good as a manager. <laughs> oh, is that really fair to say? Yeah, he uh, he really sort of bit it with Monaco. But it's also hard to say with that kind of thing because uh, th- that's one of those ones where you're like, well, do you judge a coach based off of like really kind of their first time managing a club and what seemed like just not a great scenario from start to finish? Um, but it is, it is interesting that like outside of his... Um, achievements as a player he doesn't really have any achievements as of yet as a coach um so i mean just in terms of purely based on stats you'd say well uh wilmer cabrera was certainly a more uh winning coach but obviously montreal is is willing to take a risk which is interesting because 
they seem to be the rather risk adverse team in terms of who they're picking as coaches, but who knows how they figure these things out. They didn't, uh, um, they didn't interview anyone else. And it's, it's Dwayne Rollins from uh 24th minute that, uh, that suggests that, um, Joey Saputo runs the impact basically like a fan would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, that's not, I feel like totally unfair that because there's been a lot of, uh, moves that they've made that just seem kind of like, Oh, okay. Like why? This signing, this signing specifically. Yeah. It's just, just really seems that way. A little bonkers. Of, of, of like, like this is just the, the, of the things available on the market, this is one of the, the gettable, um, nicer toys on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll be interesting to see how it works. I, I mean, the thing, hmm, oddly enough, as much as Henri is a character, and I'm, I'm, as an Arsenal fan, you will have some insight into this. He was a, he's very, like, important as a performer um, at the Red Bulls, but I don't know how much he was, like, you know, a, a, a frequent talker in the way that is Latan is. You know what I mean? Um, I think... At least, in, at least in New York. Like, what, what personality is he going to bring to the league is is uh is somebody that is going to be commenting and, and basically interviewing all the time about his team and the game in general. Uh, the thing that I've heard from um in his time at uh, Monaco, but I know it was true at Arsenal as well, and I heard this about him in terms of a player at Red Bulls is he's very demanding. Um, he is one of the best players of our generation. And he also has incredibly high standards for the people around him on the pitch. And I know that he was a polarizing player sometimes because he pushes people very much like Zlatan does. That He has no problem um, letting you know. I think, if I'm recalling correctly, and I hate going to like anecdotal stories where you don't have all the details straight, but uh, it hasn't stopped me in the past. So, But I'm pretty sure it was during his time at Arsenal where um, I think it was Oxlade-Chamberlain or or maybe it was Jack Wilshire, but one of the younger players was sort of um, showing off a little bit, and Henri just came up behind him and just cleaned him out and left him on the pitch on his backside, basically. <laughs> and and basically just as sort of like a, you know, a, a bit of a reminder of, uh, like, knowing your place within the team. And I think that in terms of a coach, what he's bringing to Montreal is probably a, a similar style. It certainly seemed at Monaco, his time there, he was a also could be a polarizing figure and had very strong opinions. Um, he's also coming in with a lot to prove. Like, yes, it's only MLS and Montreal Impact are hardly a, a large entity internationally, but um, I think it's safe to say, and I think he would probably make the same assessment, that his time at Monaco was not a success. So he has a lot to prove, and maybe that's part of what the Impact's plan is here, is that you have a very well-recognized player who's going to attract a certain type of player to the club um, who also is hungry to win something and prove himself as a coach. Um, it's still a big gamble because you have to think in terms of what it, I don't know the details of his, uh, his contract, but it's an, that's a very expensive signing and what could turn out to be a bit of a vanity one if he's not able to deliver. As a, uh, 
as somebody who, like you said, was a was a generational talent as a player, it's always interesting to see when you talk about having something to prove that that you know a lower level appointment, not lower level, but a, a, a appointment at something like this is is something that would be you would think a prerequisite for him to perhaps one day return to Arsenal as a coach, return to England as a coach. Um, and the it's almost like a wave of players that I'm most familiar with as being um, players from like the 90s. Mm-hmm. Or, or players, the players that were, you know, big when I uh, first started following soccer in 2005 and, and in the 2000s more broadly are, it seems really like sweeping into management. Yeah. In in the past year, Very much uh, so. Freddie Leumberg of of the Seattle Sounders is the is the interim Arsenal coach, um, and there's a lot of more examples in England. But it's it's you are seeing you're seeing people pop up. Yeah, which I I mean I think is kind of cool because as you as I mentioned the generational thing is these players are all reaching their um their uh their the age where they're starting to to get these opportunities as managers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting to see some of these guys resurface. I mean, Henri, I think, was always going to be a guy that we, you know, we're going to see in the game for a long time to come, regardless of what his position is. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been really interesting to, to see that sort of, like, names you haven't heard in a while, and you're like, oh, yeah, um... I still think that uh, Peter Crouch. That'll be when I'm really um, <laughs> like Peter Crouch is the next Houston Dynamo manager or something. Then I'll then I'll really pay attention. But do you know who uh, do you know who's getting their prereqs right now in management? Um, Landon Donovan is oh, yeah, managing that's right. a USL team in San Diego. Right. I think that if he if he can can show aptitude at that, he would be a hilarious MLS manager. Oh, absolutely! I'm all about it. Like the the personality signings, um, I'm excited. For. <laughs> um, the the other you know big news, and we mentioned Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but in by this time it feels like it's ancient history. Yeah, but because it happened relatively uh, soon after MLS Cup. Um, but Zlatan has announced that he will not be returning to LA Galaxy. There isn't really um, a destination for him quite yet. Um, but he posted this. Uh, he posted this image of him standing on the mountain like he was the Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio. I felt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, it's saying it's Latin. What do you? I came. I conquered. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Let's call it that. But I just think that, like, you know, uh, like I said, I also saw some some posts that were like trying to decide what the whether or not LAFC could be considered the best MLS team, despite the fact that it's they didn't win or make the final, or like like that this year's LAFC may have been the best team, mm. um, but ever, and it's like. Go go on. Well, I was just gonna say, like law of averages, sure, and that Zlatan was miles ahead, better than any player that's played for Galaxy before. But as a unit, like if you're gonna say best team, I think you need to uh, actually have eleven players that know how to kick a ball. And by that definition, I think it's a little bit generous to say, (laughs) 
But, you know. LA... Call me a cynic. Well, LAFC, the thing about the LAFC... Or, sorry, the thing about galaxy. the LAFC... Well, well, the Galaxy, no. They were saying that about LAFC this season. And between right. the Galaxy... Right, right. Uh, between people... You know, between Zlatan saying he counter... He conquered... Um, and by going out in the conference semifinal... Or in the conference final... And uh, the uh, or sorry, it was the quarters. He went out in the, in, the, in the conference semifinal, and he said, "You know, I came, I conquered." And people are saying, "Well, LAFC should really be considered as one of the best MLS teams of all time, uh, despite the fact that they could make it out of the conference final." <laughs> it's like the 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 um, results matter less and less. It feels to like you know the fame table. I think it's also fair... Or reputational. Yeah, I think it's fair to also say that, like, there's a certain type of commentator around MLS, um, both professionally and amateur, that really doesn't have a firm grasp of what criteria they're using to assess anything. So uh, it's sort of the Taylor Twelman style of just shouting something, and, and then it becomes the talking point. And we're like, well what's like what's the legitimacy of this claim in the first place but okay i guess we're just now talking about it as like uh it was a legitimate claim to begin with and now we're debating it i think that the whole point of deciding like like what team what season what iteration of a team would be the best team in mls is to think you know okay well could you know 2019 um lafc beat uh, 2017 TFC, right. for instance. But it's, it's that it's, kind of like, you know, which is like mental gymnastics. It's a fun exercise. It's a fun exercise, but it's a totally asinine, like, commentary activity as well, because it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really tell you about either team. Um, and uh, I also think it's fun. Like, and it's funny that as a league, MLS has come so far, but yet these are the major talking points that we really have still. It's like... Do, well, well, what about this team that hasn't won anything? Are they the best ever? And you're like, um, no. But sure, let's go we there. We gotta say let's it because it every, everybody. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not better than they're not. They can't. Can you say that they were? They could beat 2017 TFC when they couldn't beat 2019 Seattle, or when they couldn't beat 2019. Uh, yeah, 2019 Seattle. Well, I, I feel like I think we're, the... we kind of ended up with last time's show is that if we're going to call anybody the greatest MLS side ever, I think we like just factually should be calling it Seattle Sounders based off of if we're talking MLS 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever Windows update we're in right now. Uh, they are the team that has won the most MLS Cups, has a, a, the best record, um, arguably the best overall teams. So... Like, if we're going to do the exercise, can we use a metric that actually requires a team to win an MLS Cup? Maybe? <laughs> well, I guess in this case, in this case, they're talking about, in this case, I think people are, are talking about, like, what year. Right, Like, the, right, like the right. 2019, you know, like that kind of deal. Um, now that Zlatan, so obviously, uh, his goal-scoring record yeah. um, was... Um, prodigious while he was in MLS. Sure was good at that. Um, and I, I, I can't, uh, I can't put that down. But do you think that? Um, do you think he added to the league, and do you think that he added to the galaxy in a way that can be quantified now that he has left? 
Like, has he left? Has he left any value behind? I guess is my hmm. question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't want to be too characteristically down on Zlatan, but I would. I'm struggling to come up with like a what has he left in MLS? Like, what has he changed? Um, he, like, his, in terms of historical input, of course, there's going to be five or six of his goals that will be on every MLS highlights package until the end of time. So that's nice. Um, in terms of, is there any lasting impact to the galaxy? Is there any lasting impact to how the game will be played? From here on out, I I fail to. I mean, we don't know yet, but I, I fail to see a strong argument for that being the case. I think it was uh, it was an interesting time. It was a, a great time for people who who like to see amazing highlight reel goals. Um, as a team, we know we've talked at length about what Galaxy lacked the entire time he was there, and I have I have to feel that like him leaving doesn't really leave the galaxy any weaker, nor does him having been there make them any better. You know what I mean? Like they were galaxy were much better having him on their side, but now that he's left, I, I fail to see what the lasting impact would be. It's interesting because I think that the, the, if you could measure something by the lack of trophies, that's a concern. Um, but the, the memories of, those goals, I do think that have some sort of importance. And, sure. you know, people, you know, if they happen enough between in the last two years between him and Rooney, it's like they pop up on TSN highlight reel or TSN reels of like, you know, the 50 best sports moments of August or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people get used to seeing that in that sort of environment. I guess that what's the balance to you of. Does he help? Did he help normalize by, uh, like, you know, the presence of, of, of MLS as, as being seen as something that had quality because he brought those moments of quality to MLS? Does, does that balance out all the times that he said that MLS is garbage and it would be nothing without him? That's my, that's my question. For, in the eyes of the casual fan, do you think that they will now remember? The fact that his – do you think they'll now remember him saying, now go watch baseball? Or will they remember, oh, yeah, MLS has got guys that can do the good goals? Um, as the casual fan, I think anybody who was not paying attention to MLS um, probably will – my guess would be probably is going to go back to not caring about MLS. Um, may, you know, maybe there will be some uh, some folks that have stayed because of that. I mean – Obviously, players like Beckham brought that um, a certain amount of legitimacy. I would just argue that MLS didn't really need that exposure necessarily in the same way that like uh, the timing of other big signings really brought a lot of attention to the league. So, yeah, I... I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> I think you answered it. I think that I think that it was good. I think you, yeah. you handled it in a good way. Okay. Um, the the other big the 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 big you know addition, arrival departure. Um, Whitecaps hired their sporting director. Yeah, the Whitecaps did a thing, which is news in and of itself um, and noteworthy. Um, and I was quite surprised by this. Um, 
signing that first of all we hadn't heard anything for quite some time and <clears throat> except for some murmurs that they were having difficulty attracting candidates but um bringing in Axel Schuster as a pretty high pedigree signing what do, what are your reactions to this well i mean i thought i was thinking the the night before you know it was made clear that the announcement was going to happen i was trying to decide like would you they've made it clear it was going to be somebody from europe which concerned me a little bit because I think that the league is so idiosyncratic. Mm. You see people like you know Dominic Tarrant leaving without having made too much of an impact because it's just not comparable in some ways. So the the Europe thing bothered me, and it was like, well, it, will they? Does it have to be with the amount they're hyping it up? Does it have to be a recognizable name? Like if it's just some random person you've never heard of from Europe, is it really going to make an, an impact in, in gaining confidence? But I think that Schuster has the uh, was at FC Schalke 04 and uh, for, from 2016 to 2019. He was at Mainz for 16 years before that. And Schalke, he, he got Schalke a runner-up finish in the, the Bundesliga. The, he, really did, he really did seem to be um, obtaining results with a team that was um that's on the up in european football so it's it is a little bit of a surprise to see him make this move but um but he said that the state of the club especially i think what um if you tune into certain twitter conversations a lot of people complain about the white caps scouting yeah um and and he has compared the the situation currently to basically what it was like when he took over at mains mm-hmm. in terms of like basically having to um, completely overhaul the, the infrastructure. Yeah, and that's actually a, a complaint that both you and, well, many people have had, but you and I have made about the Whitecaps is that it has felt a lot like kind of kids playing soccer, at least in terms of the way the clubs are run, the club, sorry, um, and that there hasn't really been a professional focus and a clear mandate of how things would move forward. And just because there's been a couple of success stories in terms of youth development doesn't really mean that that system is working or working optimally. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to think about the possibility of, of somebody with his level of experience. And I think that's probably a good assessment of where the club is at, that we've spent a lot of money. We've got the training facilities, but in terms of personnel and this project being anywhere near like... Um, on its way to being successful, um, I'm. It it gives me a little bit of hope to think that he sees it as that. Like there is a big overhaul needed, um, and I think that's got to be music to a lot of fans' ears who have kind of been told that, you know, that things are moving in the right direction when clearly the, they've not been. It's interesting because I think that there was a there would have been a lot of ways for this to go poorly. Um, but he is, uh, but they got a high powered person who opened his mouth and said that the, the problem that the white caps have to deal with is one that the white caps have to deal with. And a lot of people, I feel like that is pretty much as good as you could have hoped for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, I feel like so far from what I've seen, that's most people's kind of like, um, assessment of it is it's just like, well, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong there, so hopefully he can fix it. Um, but just thank God he didn't come in going like, yeah, everything's ready to go and all the systems are in place and now we just need to get the right players because we've had that conversation enough times that 
people needed to hear something, I think, a little bit more, um, like still an optimistic message, but maybe also a more realistic one, which is uh, there's a lot of systems that, that need to be put in place and strengthened that just are not there. When you were talking about uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, you mentioned David Beckham, and that's a face that has popped back up into the league um, through his presence at uh, the expansion draft, where Inter-Miami has made their first selections. Nashville has made their first selections. Uh, Miami kept all of theirs, and Nashville traded a bunch away. Um, But the the initial three, or the initial four, uh, Miami, five. The initial Miami players drafted uh, will be Ben Sweat, Alvis Powell, Lee Wynn, Luis Argudo, and Brian Meredith, the goalkeeper in Nashville, got Abu Dunlady, um drafted Zarek Valentin from the Timbers and traded him to Houston for Joe Willis, drafted Jalila Anababa and kept him, took Brandon Vasquez from Atlanta and traded him for to Cincinnati for uh, Tam and Gam, which... Can you imagine? I guess he he's he was stuck in Atlanta a little bit, but could you imagine a reversal of fortunes just because of the draft? And finally, he got Jimmy Madronda in uh, from Sporting Kansas City, a player who's been there so long that he was a part of my uh, SKC save the last time I played Football Manager, which must have been in like 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, and that's like Nashville's put together a, a very. Um experienced side uh kind of overnight almost i mean i know it's not quite that simple but um getting madran to getting dax is obviously a huge uh win um bringing in joe willis i think is a really smart move getting a good goalkeeper with experience that's that's a fantastic signing um that's dax Dax mccarty from uh dallas yeah or no he was in chicago chicago last yeah um, bringing in David Akam, bringing in Anababa, as you mentioned, um, and then uh, Annabelle Godoy as well, who was last with San Jose, right? Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it looks like a very solid side with a ton of MLS experience, which I think is a really uh, smart thing to do. We know that it didn't quite work out for uh, Cincinnati in also trying to build out an MLS side with a, a lot or an expansion side with a lot of MLS experience. But I would say that the types of players that they're bringing in here um, definitely have much stronger upsides and much pr- better track records than a lot of the players that Cincinnati was bringing in. Um, would you agree? Um, I would say I would say so. I mean, like I remember reading a good um, a take. I can't remember what website, whether it was Athletic or, or Sports Illustrated. It was like the problem with Cincinnati actually wasn't necessarily the USL players. It was like MLS players that underperformed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at um, some of their players that really were able to um, reinvent themselves in Cincinnati and um, really bring about... Uh, kind of like a a second what's the word I'm looking for a second life a second career I suppose um it certainly wasn't many of the MLS players now did uh 
Do you feel every every team only loses one player? And teams that lost a player last year didn't uh, didn't have to were able to sit out this go round, such as Vancouver. Um, do you feel that anybody got particularly? Um, did any who do you think is the biggest loser of this? Do you think anybody is going to be shaking their heads like I can't believe that we've lost Ben Sweat or I can't believe we lost Lou Wim? I mean, I think Ben Sweat is a fantastic player. I think he, like, sort of had failed to achieve what most people had hoped he would achieve in the last couple of years, but it still showed promise. Um, so I think that, because he was with the New York City FC last, or I believe, um, yes. that for me, that's sort of the biggest one, the the loser, I guess, if you can call it that. Um, but I think in a lot of the other cases, you know, like, Lee Wynn's a great player, but in terms of what he contributed to LAFC, I think you can make the argument quite strongly that um, Mark Anthony Kay was a, a more productive center mid. Um, and because of some injury woes, they needed Lee Wynn to step in. But um, I, yeah, I don't feel like any team really got like cleaned out. I feel like we've ta- we've complained about this before, but I'm going to complain about it every time that it comes up. Um, the the fact of um, the 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 thing that annoyed me the most about Nashville's moves in the expansion draft is that they traded using 2020. You get 2021 Tam and 2021 Gam, right? Uh, is is what they traded in the trade for Willis and, and part of what they traded for, um, uh, you know what they got, uh, for from Cincy for Vasquez. the 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 argument here, I guess, is that you receive an al- you receive a certain amount of allocation money every year, mm-hmm. but I don't think this should work like draft picks. Yeah, I don't think you should be able to like like put a line of credit on your future. Tam and Gam. Uh, yeah, I, it annoys the crap out of me too. To me, because it also it becomes so speculative at that point that it's. It, I also feel like it really jerks around the players as well. Like to to hear that you're being signed to a club. I mean, you already know that you're out of favor with your current club because you've been pace, placed on the unprotected list, and then to be essentially like traded into outer space for future space money. Um, I just think it's <laughs> like it's incredibly hard to follow. First of all, but it's just I don't I don't feel like you'd feel like this is something the players' union would go after a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe. I don't love it. The other big, um, you know, things that came out of the the waving of, of options um, is that Bradley Wright Phillips is done at New York Red Bulls, but but more surprisingly to me, Luis Robles is also out. Yeah, that one took me a little bit of time to digest in terms of just like, but why? I at first somehow was like, how did I miss that he was retiring? And then I was like, oh no, he just like came in one day and found out he was gone. Um, so. I don't know how, I, like, like, I... I don't know the name of their backup. I don't. I. I can't imagine you can make that call unless you have somebody on the like, on the line. But Robles is so good, and and I. I feel like he maybe only has a couple more seasons, but they're going to be good seasons, and he deserves to have the same sort of curtain call, um, that Nick Romano did. 
I agree. I mean, I also think looking at getting rid of BWP and Luis Robles is in in one move is essentially freeing up like what like close to four million dollars in cap space. Uh, I mean, not cap space because because BWP is a designated player, I suppose. But like, they're tr- clearly trying to make room for other players. So you you have to assume that again. Um, they've got players in mind that they want to bring in who are going to be expensive. Um, I think that when you really sit and look at it and it, it take nothing away from Robles, um, he had a kind of shaky season. I would think, I would think that's also fair to say of just about every player for the New York Red Bulls. Um, and I don't think it can all be blamed on him. However, he is an expensive older goalkeeper and in a league with uh salary cap, it sucks for him, but I I can see where Red Bulls made that decision. Seeing a tweet from earlier today from Christian Dyer saying that uh, of Sports Illustrated, um, suggesting there's a strong market for him per source. The most likely landing spot right now is Inter Miami. Mm. Yeah, and you know, and speaking of teams that have some cash to burn, there's one. Like the, they could happily snap him up and and pay him what he's worth and what he wants and, um, that maybe it, it, he's also at the point in his career where, uh, as you said, he may not have a lot of years in front of him left playing, but he seems in good health, um, and w- it would be a great pickup for Inter Miami. Did you see the clip of his Dubai speech? Oh, that yeah, New York posted. Yeah, it's hard oh to my watch. God, it's hard to watch. It's really, it's an amazing. It's an amazing clip in terms of how it gives, you know, it really makes you feel for, for the man and, and, and understand the, the connection that he's had with this organization. But as a result of it coming out on the same day, it's just like, why were you, why are you doing this to him? Yeah, like literally driving, like it's, it kind of sounds like he um, like found out like on his way to the club. Like, on the, his way into the training center, it's pretty fresh. Um, yeah, and I say it's hard to watch because it's just so emotional. Like you say, it really does give you a look at, like, the um, the man behind the player and, and just how important the club has been to him. So it's it's a tough one, and I, I don't like to be the person that sides with a club in terms of um, giving the shaft to a player that's, what, nine years there at the club? Um, but... At the same time, it's it's also like, it's MLS, we know what happens, so I also don't think anybody, including the player, can really be surprised necessarily, because these are the kinds of decisions that clubs do have to make pretty regularly. Um, again, to me, it really signals that New York Red Bulls are going to be making some big moves in the offseason and spending uh, uh-huh. a boatload of cash doing it. The Caps made a, the White Caps sent a second round draft pick to or received one from Nashville, um, I think for for a spot in the reentry process. Um, their entry draft happened. Do you have any particular like things of note that you? It seemed it seems as though a couple players got picked up, but I I wouldn't say from seeing the names that there was anybody that that has quite the same cachet as say the expansion draft. No, um, I mean, I, I, the players that I, I see of note are, I don't know if it's necessarily um, players that have to do with the expansion or the reentry draft. 
Um, but one of the teams that has stood out to me is making, uh, well, two teams that have made a lot of moves, um, one club in and one club out, is Colorado Rapids, 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 basically overnight have developed what could be arguably one of the, the stronger defenses in MLS um, by locking down Lalas Abubakar to a full-time uh, contract because he was on loan from Columbus. They also acquired Austin Trusty from Philadelphia Union. Who really? Is, yeah. I is, uh, I feel like has been a really stalwart defender for Philadelphia, so I was surprised by that move. And then also picked up Drew Moore as a free agent signing. So, um, from Toronto. Or, oh, was Drew Moore with Toronto last or was he with someone else? He was with Toronto. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. And, um, that was another, that was another, you know, emotional goodbye because um, he obviously, you know, was injured for much of the 2018 campaign and, and last year, or, you know, and, and was not necessarily preferred this year, but in 2017, he was so important to that team and their MLS Cup win, and 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 I think him being knocked out of the lineup was a huge part of why TFC suffered the next year. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, his impact there um, was just so massive. Um, I I think it's probably a good move for both player and club because um, as big of a personality as he's been for Toronto and as big as a part of their story. He has suffered with injuries recently and, and really needs, a, I, I feel like, a, a fresh start to reestablish himself as a leader. And it, at this point, it feels hard to see him as somebody that's really going to be um, favored in a future Toronto lineup. Whereas in Colorado, you can see him, if he's fit, getting a lot of minutes and really having a big impact with them. So it's, again, an emotional one. But looking at Colorado and their moves in the offseason... Um, I mean, they had already made some, and we saw the immediate impact of that. But again, we talked about them as a club that had so much potential and everybody was kind of talking about as if um, they really weren't going to amount to much. And now I'm like, there's really not too many pieces they need to add here to be a very competitive side next year. Um, True. The other team that I think is loaded up um, mm-hmm. If you if if you're okay with moving on from the Rapids, I am. Um, is Houston? We talked about Darwin Quintero potentially moving um, from Minnesota last week. That has taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also picked up Valentin uh, related to the expansion draft that we talked about, and they also got Victor Cabrera from Montreal. So they're also um, they're also stocking the pantry. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Quintero signing obviously is a, a big one, um, and I think a, a good bit of business for both clubs um, because he really did kind of not f- fulfill what what folks had hoped at Minnesota this year, um, but is exactly the type of player that fits the profile for Houston. It's, it's Quintero and a... Um, uh... Yeah, Quintero and a a third round draft pick um, for Marlon Hairston in uh, six hundred thousand in Tam and Gam with um, three three hundred thousand of that being in twenty twenty three hundred thousand in twenty twenty one. Goodbye to goodbye to Hairston, um, but I think that I think that the the most interesting thing I find with this always is is how will. 
Quintero fit in with the um, the constellation that's already in place in Houston because mm, mm-hmm. they have a lot of they have a lot of sort of big ticket um, they have a lot of like big ticket uh, offensive masterminds including Albert Elise, Mara Minotis, um Romo Kyoto or uh, do they still have Kyoto? Uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's like, that's four incredibly dangerous players. Absolutely. I think the big thing will still be for Houston, though, is what have they got that's going to help um, prevent some of the bleeding of goals that they've done with all their strong offensive pieces. So as good as they, uh, as much as they've improved and, and as threatening as that front three or four look... Um, I'm still waiting to see where they're going to be adding on the uh, defensive side of things to to really prevent some of what's been happening over the last couple of seasons where we, d- we don't need to worry about Houston scoring goals. That's not the problem. Uh, the problem is not then immediately giving them up. Um, and I think Valentin is a player that really struggled to establish himself at Portland, um, is a, a fine signing. But defensively, Houston, I don't see where they've improved yet over where they've been. And where they've been is pretty pretty dismal. Uh, I'm actually was wrong that, that um, Kyoto was sent to Montreal, actually, for Cabrera, who is also a defender. Um, didn't play, only played 16 games last year for, for Montreal, but... but you know, potentially he could be a part of that mix as well. Yeah, to help to help improve things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I I'm hoping to see better things from Marlon Hairston as well. He's a player that's had so much potential, and I feel like again another player where last year probably should have been his year, and we should have seen more from him. So again, maybe the uh, a fresh fresh chance, a look at a new club in Minnesota will give him uh, a bit of a kickstart that he needs to, to get back and establish himself. I mean, he's 25. Um, he's a, a good domestic player, and you, you always kind of hope to see players like him that uh, he's, I mean, basically costs a team nothing to have on your squad. Um, I think it would be, this is now a, a great time for him to kind of come into his own and, and show that he's, uh, he can be a great player in MLS. Absolutely. The other big, uh, the other, the other player move that I thought of note was, um, Donnell Henry is going to Korea mm-hmm. to, uh, to Suwon Blue Wings. Yeah. Um, that is a, that's a, that's a real interesting move for him. Um, I think that it is almost the unlikeliest story when you think of the the mood people were in when he was, was first signed, um, how we got from there to the fact that I think the Caps are going to miss him. Yeah, I mean, he's been that player that we keep talking about. Is in like, is he should he stay or should he go? Um, you can argue that right now the Caps have uh, some good center back pieces that can probably do a, a good job and, and you would have to imagine maybe they have another idea of somebody coming in but it is kind of the end of an era a little bit of this um this white cap side that had so many canadian players um and henry really establishing himself as a a strong defensive addition and despite 
some big mistakes this year. I, again, I don't, that's not a thing I think we can't say of most players for the Whitecaps. And overall, uh, a very, very strong defender. Um, and in a pretty dismal season was one of the, the brighter spots for a lot of it for the Whitecaps. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I do hope it's a good move for him. I, I think that to see Canadians go internationally, even if it's maybe not the highest profile club, is always a, a good thing and it will hopefully be a good experience for him. Hope so. The, it, I almost feel that with the Canadian connection, it's like the success of Derek Cornelius is like, well, who needs, you know, like, and, like it's almost like he's going to step up into a spot. Kind of. Right. And, and I don't see that as necessarily a, a bad thing is that if we're going to be giving Henry spots to uh, Cornelius, then it's Cornelius's to lose. And I think that's actually kind of what you want from your young center backs is it's like, okay, here's your opportunity, but also know that, you know, there's, we've got Kamiri and, uh, um, Godoy lined up. Godoy is on, uh, is being, is being negotiated with. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's options there. So, um, again, depends who they bring in, I suppose, but it was, a. I really don't think it was much of a surprise, but still kind of a disappointment because he was also a big character at the club. And in a in a time where the Whitecaps have really lacked characters, um, Henry's really had that leadership role and, and just he's a likable guy. Like he's he's somebody that clearly enjoys playing the game and has always worked hard. So um, it's a little sad to see him go. Um, elsewhere in MLS, they've announced. Um, did we talk about the the super draft? Uh, did did the uh, the change in the super draft format? I don't think so. No. Um, I have heard. Now I'm just double checking that it actually happened. Um, but my understanding is is that it is now going to be um, a uh, a conference call affair. There will no longer be oh. a a physical great. Um, a physical live super draft event. Great. Um, as as college becomes a less and less important part of the in MLS scouting landscape, um, one of the things you know, one of you know, I think back to the Bobby Warshaw piece for Howler where he talks about you know the the ceremony and the the chance for for players to to feel like they've made it with their moment on the stage that is in some ways a fantasy, especially for, you know, some of them that may never, you know, feature. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no longer, that's, that's no longer going to be a part of the makeup. What do you think of that? Um, that choice. It's unfortunate for the players who want that moment. It's a very costly thing to run and to hype up for that moment. Um, I would still love to see the college side of the game be important in the league but we know that it's just not as much so um you know it is what it is i think the big thing was like because it was the union last year uh philadelphia that like they traded all of their draft (laughs) to fc cincinnati almost like as the thing started so um yeah in terms of its relevance you can't that felt like kind of a nail in the coffin. Um, so I, I'm fine with the change yeah. in the format. I mean, you and I watched it because it was a thing that happened before the season kicked off and we could talk about it, but I don't feel like our show is going to suffer. 
<laughs> the other big format change that, in a sense, is something that I've called for for a while, but I don't, uh, in, in some ways, um, the MLS All-Star Game is going to be um, contested between a team of uh, of an MLS Best 11 and a Liga MX Best 11. We will have a we will have a U.S. versus Mexican leagues um, all stars face off, which I think I've long called for um, it to be two select teams instead of a select team and a uh, a coach that you don't care like you know some European team that's kind of trying. Um, I don't know that this is exactly what I would have gone with, just because I mean like like every it's. Like all outreach efforts on the field um, between MLS and and Liga MX, um, it's great until you play the games and like like even though there's been some success from MLS teams facing Mexican teams, you know it's gonna be a weird MLS All Star game if they get you know trounced by 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 the best players in Mexico. And like I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily yeah, like a given. I'm not saying that 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 you know it's far and away. Mm-hmm. There's no you know the best eleven players in Mexico can always beat the best eleven players in the U.S. But but like it's gonna be hard. Those are gonna be hard games. And in yeah, you may have wanted something easier. Yeah, like if I would. For 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 like a <laughs> yeah for an exhibition maybe you the USL side. side you mean here's here's that like you know what would be almost fun is do you remember the the hockey World Cup they had like the the team North America that was basically oh, yeah, all the, yeah. the, the the Canadian sides what if you just had like they've got the Young Stars game and they've got the All Star game proper what if the what if the regular All Stars played the Young Stars team. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that. I feel Why like not? that would be fun, and it would bring people's attention. Like, like because people watch the game. Like, to, in a sense, it's like like the young the the U twenty three games at All Star Weekend are almost like more fun because the players are like trying. So so it's like let me like like if you wanna if you wanna have like a fun low pressure low stakes time like you like. Like the the question always, I still think that two MLS select sides would be good. I think this mm-hmm. is a step in the right direction, but you know the question is always like you know how you how you would structure it if there was a second team. Are you going to do US versus the world? Are you going to do East versus West? Which I think is a terrible idea. Like like the those are all questions that you would have to answer if you were going to do MLS versus MLS. Um, I think that this is fine, but I wonder. If they get blown out, if they're going to do it for a second year in a row, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I get there are they. It's been no secret that they're trying to build something more between MLS and Liga MX. So it's not a surprise. Uh, I agree, though. It's kind of like a oh, maybe walk before you can run a little bit, but here we are. Um. The Chicago Fire t- announced their rebrand to Chicago Fire FC. Um, they were SC before, and, and 
the one of the few remaining original logos and only has been changed to one that got um, made fun of pretty badly. I I'm still seeing a new. It's it's been roasted. Uh, the fire half. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's okay, but I see a new. Like I in... see. I feel like I see a new reimagining every day. Well. And it would be great if some of that reimagining happened, like, on the pitch. Um, but it's... I mean, I think part of the reason why it's been roasted is because it's an absolutely atrocious logo, even just for logos. Like, let alone for a football club. But just as a logo, it doesn't really work. Um, and looks like it's designed by somebody who just learned how to use Photoshop. But hey, you know, what is MLS without some rebranding some new logos um, to solve all of the problems that you've had as a club. Um, I know that with like some new ownership and uh, moving to the new pitch that they wanted to have, they wanted to do something more, but this is, I, I mean, sure. The fires logo maybe wasn't particularly strong before, but it made sense. Right? Like, it, it was very clearly modeled after a fire department logo, and you're like, ah, I get it. Um, and this is just like, oh, instead of having the, like, local connection and, like, a connection her city can get behind, we're just going to literally try to make it about fire. And that, to me, is, like, if you're going to rebrand, yeah, why not just it's... change the name of the club? Navy on Navy, really small letters. Like, you can't really see far away. The the fire logo itself, which looks very similar to the Vancouver Whitecaps logo, is not really that, like, easy to make out. Um, I really... I, I'm trying to remember that, like, I saw that, you know, somebody say it. Literally, um, Hoover Dam on Twitter say that it uh, it literally breaks the laws of heraldry. In terms of like color on color, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know a ton about like these are designs. As soon it's as not I so just design. Yeah, it's it's so bad. It's not just design. It's not just to be like, ah, yes, graphic design is my passion. It's like these are hundred year old rules. Yeah, it's true. Um, the the that are broken by the logo. So it sucks. The the last the. It puts us all in the, if we're going to be nostalgic and mourn the passing of old logos, we're going to have a, a heck of a time when the last orig remaining original logo changes, which will be the New England Revolution. Yeah. And like, it's, uh, I don't know, are is... we taking bets yet on when Chicago Fire is either going to change it back or change it to something else like next year after they have an abysmal season? Oh yeah, if they have a bet, we haven't even seen what the jerseys the jerseys could the jerseys could could flip it. One thing that I saw, <laughs> they, it, well, maybe if the jerseys are nice, I guess there's a lot of navy blue teams, so that's a I problem. I mean, maybe, but maybe, I mean, I'm maybe seeing... the thing that they're trying to go after here is that instead of having like you know your primary and away and like third, what's it, tertiary jerseys, you'll have like multiple iterations of a logo. So maybe there'll be one that is not like yellow font on navy blue background. It'll be like the photo negative the, uh, Seattle Rain. The photo negative version is actually, if you look at the MLS page, the 2019 offseason 
snapshots, there is a photo negative version in it that actually looks better. Jesus. That, like, the, um, before, where, but... where the, the, the background is, is white and the, the, the fire is black. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. There it is. Wow. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, before you jump to the rain, I, I have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about regarding uh, Philadelphia Union before we jump leagues. Um, yes. Because you and I had talked last uh, last time or recently when we were talking about clubs that don't need to change much. It must have been with the conference finals or, or when Philadelphia got knocked out. Um in terms of clubs yes. that have been relatively successful that don't need to change much, you and I both said with Union, to, like, bring in a couple of pieces, but what do you really need to change? Well, uh, Fafa Pico is out, Harris Madunian is out, as is uh, Fa- Fabian. So, kind of like, just, I mean, not quite overnight, this club has really, like, kind of redone itself. I feel the one thing, the one thing there though, is that I kind of feel maybe not Pico because was he injured in the playoffs? Like, was that where he was coming in as a sub? I wonder, I'm something in my head is saying that Pico is kind of like on the a player on the periphery. Is that, is that true? Or am I just making that up? I'm trying to, I'm trying well, to recall. He, he wasn't, he was definitely a little bit more on the periphery this season. Um, but I think also part of it was because they had brought Fabian in. Well, you and I, well, I don't know if you agreed with me, but I said that Fabian had looked out of shape and, and was a very expensive signing that really didn't live up to much. So I wasn't too surprised to see them let go of him. But Madunian um, and Pico together kind of felt like uh, kind of the identity in a way of Philadelphia Union. So I was I was kind of surprised by those ones. I mean, they've got a lot of good pieces still there. Um, but for two long time, uh, pieces of the Philadelphia union, I was, I was a little bit surprised by those moves. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, you think that there's gotta be, you know, similar to the, the impact coaching thing. You've got to feel like there is, there is a, another shoe that'll drop with that. Maybe in the form of, you know, a key, uh, a key player that they're courting, um, potentially from Europe. I don't know if I've heard any. I don't know if there's been any rumors of that, but but you've got to think that somebody is going to fill that spot. I'm going to say one thing, and and it's funny because I kind of like him, but Austin Trustee has moved on from the Union, and 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 it came up when you when you mentioned him earlier. I was honestly kind of thinking, um, as much as he's one of those, um, like. Like head just like the brain um, exploding players where he can have this amazing he he can blow your mind with a defensive move and then uh, completely like mess up with a huge boneheaded red card at the other end of the pitch um, and I don't think that the union will miss him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like he's been. Um... He's bit. He's had moments. Uh, hasn't quite lived up to his name this season, um, because he really hasn't been the trustiest of players. But I still thought he was good. Ah. Um, but I think. I think. I think bringing him into Colorado is the perfect time for him to come in again, like reestablish himself, get himself settled, um, 
and Colorado desperately needs good defenders. He's going to be playing alongside the likes of Abubakar. That's that can't hurt. So um, th- yeah, that one surprised me a, a little less. That was that one wasn't as jarring for sure. Um, your um the 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 big move, uh, news with the rain is that they're going to they're in talks to be um, acquired by uh, Olympic Lyonnais. Mm. Who is the 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 club that is uh, in Europe that has basically one of the best women's club sides in the world? Um, mm-hmm. Is going to be buying the rain, which I'm I'm curious. I I don't know that they've ever had like a city group style, and and certainly we've never seen that up, that model applied to. Um, certainly we've never seen that model like applied to women's club football, um, but. I think that the it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens with this because ultimately what's happening right now on the club side of the game is, you know, teams that invest in excellence are getting results. And it's almost been like put as a, as a, as a zero-sum either-or game between Europe and NWSL where NWSL salaries are moving a little bit, but they haven't really been moving and, and – a lot of people are thinking that Europe is almost competing with NWSL in a way by by putting together these these stellar sides. Well, now Europe, it, now now the the team in Europe that is the team that people think of well, are most likely to think of when they when they have that take um, is going to be an NWSL governor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 ultimately, you can't necessarily. Um, financially flip around an NWSL team in the same way that you can with a, with a team in a league that has no salary cap. Um, but I think that their presence is absolutely going to be a sea change for the rain who um, the Pred Morris had done a, a, a good job of trying to find solutions that work for that team. Um, but it'll be interesting to see them continue to evolve. I wonder if like, <laughs> As 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 much as she didn't have any a season to write home about in NWSL, Megan Rapino had such a stellar year in international soccer, and it's like, I wonder if the the thought is like, this is just this is absolutely nothing I ever heard. It's like, would you buy a team just so that you could buy Rapino and, and transfer her to your 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 A side? I mean, I feel like there's easier ways of doing it, but uh, stranger things have happened. That's also true. <laughs> I love. I just love too uh, how tentatively you were. You really wanted to like make that, but you're also like. I mean, this truly is a conspiracy theory for the ages. But just hear me out. This is a conspiracy theory for me, but 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 I mean, like that's that's part of the issue with these these you know global you know city group style teams is 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 wondering who what you know ultimately there is no World Club Cup. There's there's no like you know uh, real competition that NWSL teams and, and European teams are in against each other, but it's like which team will take precedence mm-hmm. when the going when the going gets tough. So it'll be interesting to see that. The other uh, the other big acquisition news is that uh, Atlanta. You, this is, you see it so often in the other direction. Atlanta has bought a stake in Aberdeen. No, I didn't see that one. Hmm. 
So, um, I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it as Arthur Blank is playing a stake in Aberdeen, that's not necessarily, it's not a, a new or surprising move for an NFL team to make an, um, an investment in club football in uh, the UK mm. or uh, or in Europe. But um, if you think about it, it is being put as like a, a, an Atlanta Union or, uh, sorry, an Atlanta United uh, yeah, investment. definitely. So it's like, you know, it, it's it's very interesting because of that, you know, the, the same thing where where teams, it feels like a team like will make a, an outreach decision where it's like now the outreach is moving in the other yeah. direction. Yeah, a little bit. Um, the other thing I had written down, uh, Canada and USA had their rematch. Did it go uh, well? In Orlando. It did go Why well not? for Canada. U.S. beat them. U.S. beat them 4-1. Um, it was, I don't think that Canada defended as tightly as they had previously. And, uh, and the um, goals from... Two goals from Gazi Sardes and a uh, goal each from Aaron Long and Jordan Morris. Um, put Basically put the thing away with Stephen Vittoria scoring once to make it uh, – to get something on the Canada side. Um, I mean, uh, this was the important reason not to overreact the earlier Canada win. But it, it shows that there's still a lot of, you know, movement to go for Canada. But it was – um, it was nice while it lasted. It was <laughs> being able to beat them, and now the climb begins again. And I believe that's us out of the hex, is it not? No. Um, I think there's another result. Um, we've we uh, I don't know how much we've done it. We've talked about it before, but Concacaf qualifying usually has a, a final hexa, like a sixteen mm-hmm. stage of play. For like the top three yeah. group stages, or for for the the, the three spots yeah. in the World Cup, it's now going to be there is a hex for, or it was like previously it was the three and a half places, which means that there was like a playoff that you would get if yeah. you got the half spot. It's still going to be three and a half. It's still going to be three for the hex, and then there's going to be a secondary. Um, your FIFA World Ranking will specific will be the, the 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 decider of whether or not you compete with the six best teams in CONCACAF for three spots or all the other teams in CONCACAF for ah, one okay. spot. Which I just found it. We are currently out of the hex. So we've dropped down four spots. So uh we unless fortunes improve, we will not be going to the World Cup. But there's still a, there's still a chance. This now, now, when you say not going, necessarily going to the World Cup, there is still like a, there, there will right. be games. Yes, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it's like the right. Okay, so the hex, the hex will be uh, six teams. The three teams, top three teams, the hex, hex qualify. The fourth team will play the uh, the re, the top team from the repechage pool. And you say repechage, even though. No on-field results. Well, the you do not get is, a chance to 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 lose the first time. The good thing is, time. it's straightforward. Uh, hate it, hate it, yeah, hate it, hate it, hate it. Bad. This is 
CONCACAF and World Cup qualifying can be uh, confusing at the worst of times, but this is just out of, it, out of control. It really reminds like me of that scene in Monty Python's Meaning of Life where uh, it's John Cleese teaching the classroom, and it's right before the, the scene about like sex education. But he's like, it's perfectly <laughs> simple. If you're not getting your haircut on Tuesday, but you don't have rugby practice on Wednesday, then move your clothes to the lower... And it's just like... <laughs> This moving abacus and like all these different pieces moving where you're like, you know what? I'll tell you what. Why don't you just tell me when they're in or when they're out? And I just I give up. I can, I'm not trying to follow anymore. You just tell me when the World Cup comes, if Canada's playing in it. How about that? My God. I have one piece. Of, I have one more piece of news this week. That's a good one. Do you have anything else that you want that you want to get out there before I we end on a high note? Christine Sinclair has got one goal Woo! closer to breaking the uh, international goal-scoring record um, through a 3 nothing win over New Zealand earlier yeah. this month. Um, the uh, This will be the last, I think this is their last game of the year. I love that the CBC or, or Canadian Press refers to it as the end of the finale of its international soccer season. Well, I think it may be redundant to call it a season. It's the year. It's the single... <laughs> There's one season per year, apparently, according to what the, the international soccer season will be like, because it's basically at the very end. Um, but, uh, but of course, a lot of uh, people, both Canadian fans and, and fans of Christine Sinclair are around the world, looked on the World Cup as the opportunity to maybe she'll, maybe this is where we're going to see her um, break the goal scoring record. She's now two goals away. As we headed to the 2020 Olympic qualifying. Love it. So uh, that'll take place um, January 29th, February 1st, and February 4th. Um, and uh, if if Canada can, um, if, if perhaps she can uh, get that mark either in those games or if Canada uh, qualify at the Olympic Games themselves. Beautiful. Um, until the next re-entry super Tam for Gam draft, uh, where can we find you online? You can find me trading a third round draft pick in the 2023 MLS super draft, uh, for, uh, a hundred thousand dollars in a game a year at teammates on Twitter, www.team-com. Where you can, can find, find me you? on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. That's So on Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, th- those are the things. Uh, and until next, Rate, yeah, review, please and do that, especially in the off season. It helps us out. Maybe we'll make some sort of. Actually, I think we made like a top five like MLS podcast list somewhere, but I forgot to mention it. It was months ago. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. It's probably like Norway's top five MLS podcast or something. But um, until next time, don't get yourself traded for future TAM or GAM space money. 